You five dollar gas. We haven't had five dollar gas since like the Obama years. We haven't had five dollar gas in like five years. But Trad Patrick over at Rights and Duties joining the RTF podcast says that five dollar gas is coming soon to a gas station near you. And what does this have to do with the Suez Canal? And why should women not be steering boats? I think it's all connected. And it most certainly is. Um, let's see. <clears throat> women can't drive a pickup truck, yet somebody in their infinite wisdom made them a captain of a cargo vessel going through one of the most difficult canals and lock systems in the world, but also arguably the most important shipping lane in the world. It is how everything gets from Asia to this side of the globe. And when that gets backed up, you basically have a traffic jam on the ocean. And here we are. What goes through there every day but tons and tons of oil? So I think a lot of people are just so far removed from the global supply chain of all the stuff that they consume every day that nobody actually gives a thought to the fact that, like, yeah, one-fifth of the world's goods go through this little tiny waterway. Um, and it's got an interesting history, too. I know you know the history of it. I recently had to learn the history of it for a project I was working on. Um, and, well, let's just say that the banksters and the Brits, uh, they did pretty well on that deal. Well, we know China has been, uh, let's just say, chomping at the bit to take control of the Suez Canal for a long mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Let's say that there have been conflicts started in in the world because of that canal. Um, <clears throat> currently, it's run by the Egyptian uh, Maritime Commission. Um, they they currently run it. And the funny thing about the Suez Canal that a lot of people don't know, and somebody actually said this to me, they're like, 14% of the world's shipping comes through there. That's not a lot. I'm like, do you know what 14% of the world's shipping really is? No, you don't. So shut up. Um but 14% of the world's crap, let's just say that because 90% of what's coming through there is Chinese mm -hmm. goods, right? So it's cheap mm -hmm. plastic crap. But it's also cars. Like a lot of people don't realize that cars from like Japan and Korea and all these other places, they come on container vessels. They don't go on airplanes, okay? And they can't drive them from China or from Japan to America. And so if they're made over there, which a lot of them are, they have to get here on container vessels. And that's the same with the cheap Chinese goods. Why? Because it's cheaper to throw it on a cargo ship than it is to throw it on a plane. And oil can't go on a plane either. It has to go in these big tankers that steam across the ocean. By the way, steaming does not mean that they're steam powered. That's just a nautical term. Um, but they steam uh, through there, and they come through the canal. And the reason they come through the canal is because the canals were built so that you can get from one ocean to another ocean without having to go down and up. So it cuts mm -hmm. about cuts about a week off the trip for these people. So the way these canals work is what's called a series of locks. And the locks fill up and empty, raising and lowering the ship as it goes. And so they come through there and, and uh, cut off the time. But the reality is, is you had two things that happened with oil. 
One was Biden basically uh, reneged on all of the permits for fracking and everything else. So that yeah. that raised the price. And if you saw it, I would say since he was elected to now, we've seen uh, if you follow the stock market or anything like that or, or the commodities market, you've seen a uh, 37% rise in the barrel of oil price. So that was one. And now we're on day four where they can't move this ship. And that means, according to the oil folks, they're saying that you're going to see another 20% hike by the end of this week. And if it goes any longer, <laughs> I think some governments might be like, look, just get everybody off there and blow the ship up. Um, <laughs> get it out of there um, because that's how bad this is. And I and I related this to um, – and I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'm sorry. It was either Brazil or Argentina where the truckers went on strike in that one country. They went on strike. I think it was for 12 days. It took six and a half months to get their supply lines back on track after that. So you can imagine that you're going to have a very similar thing. And there a lot of things that people don't realize that are going on in the background because of the mm-hmm. COVIDs. Mm-hmm. The semiconductors are now in an 18 and a half month backlog. Okay. For those who don't know, semiconductors run everything and there's only th- four companies that make them and to make it you start from a raw silicon wafer and by the time it goes through the entire process it takes uh 16 weeks it takes 16 weeks to take a raw silicon wafer into a uh semiconductor into a processor that means if they're already backed up that if they start tomorrow full steam uh, you're talking about the first next batch coming out is 16 weeks from that. So that nine months, uh, 18 months, excuse me, is a long time. And everything today, even I, 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 from what I've heard, there's microwaves that are run on, uh, on, uh, microprocessors. There's, there's refrigerators now that are run on them and everything, you know? So everything you have, your phones, your laptops, your tablets, all have them, which means all of those companies are waiting for those processors. And some people are already saying that they can't get video cards for computers because they're they're back ordered. So you you got to understand everything relies on those. And if they can't make them because they can't get the processors, the same thing with the oil. If you can't get the oil to the refineries, you can't get gas, which then gas becomes scarce. I'm old enough to remember the last time that there was a gas shortage. I was very young in the late 70s, but I remember it. I remember distinctly sitting in my grandfather's car uh, on a line for 45 minutes waiting to get gas. This is what's coming to this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I'm out and about right now. I'm working on some things. Needed to rent a car, and the car rental people were like, we don't have any cars. I'm like, excuse me? How do you not have any cars? Well, we had to take the chips out of the cars. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought, I thought thought they were pulling my leg. I was like, what? You're pulling the chips out of the cars? Why? 
Well, because the new cars need the chips, and we have all these old cars, and we're like, well, we got to get the new cars off the line. And I mean, this is this is a real thing. It hasn't hit people yet. It hasn't affected people yet. But and I think I personally think, and I'd love to get your thought on this. Back to the Suez Canal. I think this is intentional. I think this is all part of the globalist plan to drive up the cost of oil to mm-hmm. to. Uh, to uh, push people towards the, uh, you know, the, the communist green agenda, um, support green energy. Look, oil is so expensive, you know, it's, it's, uh, why don't we just do wind farms and stuff? <laughs> yeah, we know how well that worked out for Texas. <laughs> right. There are a lot of wind turbines, I think, in, uh, in the state of Texas. Or maybe they're all in Oklahoma. I don't know. Well, there's a ton. I mean, I, I go to Wyoming a lot because I'm right next door. I go to Wyoming a lot, and I have my reasons for that. <clears throat> but uh, Wyoming, you'll see a lot of them. And the reason is is that once you get into the Cheyenne Valley, mm-hmm. uh, there's it's, it's effectively a wind tunnel. Uh, year-round, it's, it's windy there. You get 40-mile-an-hour gusts year-round, and that's like normal for them. Uh, so they have a lot of wind turbines in that in that area. But the problem with wind turbines and the problem that happened in Texas specifically was the fact that once the demand goes up past where it already is, so you get a place like Cheyenne, it's not a lot of people there. The big city's not really a big city. Uh, so there's not a lot of demand for power in that area. But you've got a state like Texas, which is just hugely populated. Uh, the cities are humongous, uh, and they demand a lot of power. And wind power cannot develop, uh, deliver that amount of demand. And so years ago no. when T. Boone Pickens decided to push this idea, Texas, for some reason, you know, the great red state of Texas, don't mess with Texas. You know, we're totally red, uh, decided they were going to go to wind power. Whosoever rocket science Our- idea that was is now sitting there going, I hope they don't realize that was me. Um but that's, you know, essentially what happened. They they took this idea from T. Boone Pickens and and they put it mm-hmm. into practice and it's it failed gloriously. So, so th- are you do you just do you just get a kick out of picking on the Lone Star State because of your um, your tough guy New York accent? I get a kick out of messing with Texas because <clears throat> Texas years ago used to be like, okay, you know, when I was a kid and everything, you're like Texas, you know, real dudes out there, everything now. Now you go out there, and I, I go out there a lot for work, and you've got the soy boy man bun brigade walking around with their doggy backpack and their soy latte, uh, you know, with their video game T-shirt on. And that's and that's Texas today. I mean, granted, you can go into rural areas of Texas, and you still got a few cowboys here and there with some Wrangler, Wrangler jeans and a cowboy hat, but it's getting less and less in Texas. And, and that's mm-hmm. – and that's really most of this country. This country is becoming an extremely urbanized uh, country. It's it's destroying everything. And you can tell that – and I work in the industry. Construction is insane. Every time you see a, a, a small plot of land, they're building something on that small plot of land. And one of the things they're building humongously right now is storage facilities. And you have to ask yourself – do we really need this many storage facilities or is there something else going on that they're building so many storage facilities? 
you're talking about like self you're not talking about self storage. Yeah. Self storage. Yep. One of the one of the fastest growing industries in America right now is the self storage industry. Is that just because people are can't part with their stuff? Uh no. It's because we're becoming a rental society. Mm-hmm. And so the more we become a rental society, the more people have to put stuff in storage. So the two biggest things that they're building right now is apartment complexes and storage facilities. You rent a, you rent an apartment, you go live in an apartment, you can't put all your crap in the apartment. And yet to some degree, some people don't want to sell their stuff. And, you know, some of it has sentimental value or whatever. And so they go and, you know, well, I'm only paying, you know, $1,100 a month for this apartment. I can afford another 100 bucks a month for a storage facility and I'll put all my stuff in the storage facility. And it's largely not going to burn down or anything. They're all made of concrete and steel. So my stuff is pretty much safe there if I put it there. But there's there's a couple of books and I and I reference them. One of his one of them is a book called Snow Crash. Uh, it was written in the uh, early 90s. Uh, and, the, and the premise of the book is that pretty much everybody lives in storage facilities. They've converted the storage facilities into domiciles. And you've got Biden talking about essentially just letting, you know, millions of people uh, come into this country, open the borders, if you would, uh, you know, basically, uh, telling everybody, look, if you, if you, you know, you, you're a kid, you were here, your family can come over, everybody can come over, don't worry about it, everybody's gonna be a citizen now. Um, you're gonna run out of places to put these people. And so the choices become, take all of the land, which is what they wanna do, take all of the land and build on it. Uh, and then essentially you're still going to run out of place. So what do you do? You stack it. And it's like Hong Kong. I had heard once that um, the people who are designing the, the Walmarts, after a certain year when they would build them, they would retrofit them in such a way so that if they ever needed to turn them into like multifamily uh, residential, that they could that they could more easily do that. I, I don't know all the specifics about the engineering and, and, uh, and, and what they're doing, but I mean, I, I, I think there is some truth at the risk of sounding like a co-conspiracy theorist or whatever, you know, I do think there is some truth to the idea that they do want us locked at home, eating bugs, ordering our food, coding, you know, for the man, um, for a living, totally disconnected from reality, uh, isolated from nature, not talking to people, to, you know, social control. I mean, this is all like the, the the Great Reset is all about this. They advertise it in the open. They say you in the future you will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, it's not I really mean, future though. It's it's actually the past. It's 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 um, the Soviet Union, right? So if you go back and you look at the Soviet Union uh, in the '60s, the '70s, the '80s. Uh, how did people live? It's the same thing as Hong Kong, right? They lived in these these massive uh, multi multi family dwellings and stuff like that that real, realistically look like uh, prisons for the most part. And um, you know, it's that same philosophy. It's like, okay, if you're a good if you're a good guy, good girl, you'll you'll get to live in a home. But the minute you speak out against anything, the minute you mm-hmm. say that you know X Y Z is bad. Then you have to, you know, you, you'll be taken out of that because that's a privilege, uh, and you'll be placed into one of these, uh, these, um, you know, government facilities. 
it's social credit, right? So, I mean, we, we largely think we don't have social credit here, but what do you think our credit system is? Our credit system is entirely a social credit based system. The idea of the social credit system is, oh, you missed the payment, your credit goes down 40 points. You don't yeah. get to explain that. Oh, I missed the payment because, you know, uh, COVID or, or whatever affected me and I couldn't make my payment. I'm not a deadbeat. I'm not looking to not make my payment, but I mean, you know, you created this problem and here I am paying for it. So the idea is either, either make all your payments on time to your masters or your masters will make it so that you can't have anything. You can't have a home. You can't have a car. You know, yeah. we, we as Catholics, we talk about usury, 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 but I really feel like I would say better than 85% of Catholics don't really understand just how bad usury is. I think that well, they, go ahead. Uh, we, I, I would just on the, on the credit score thing. It, I mean, you're absolutely right. It turns out that the most important number in your life, the most important number, it's not your social security number. It's not your phone number. It's not how many children you have. It, it's your credit score. That is the most important number in any adult's functioning adult's life. And your credit score can be absolutely wrecked by some someone that you've never met before. I'm going through this right now. I I for sure can pay off this two hundred dollar sprint bill from three years ago. But the fact of the matter is is it's an unjustified bill and I have spent hours on the phone with Sprint and debt collectors, and neither Sprint nor the collectors can tell me what the charge is for. And so I say, look, if I owe the money, I will pay it. That's a principle. If I do not owe the money and you cannot tell me what the charge is for, then I will not pay it. And I don't, I just don't care. I don't care how long this takes. I'm never going to pay it. But I'm very lucky because I can, I can fight them right now. I'm, I, I, I already have my house. I have my cars. I, I'm, I'm in a phase in life where I can fight them. If you're not at that, if, if, if you're trying to buy a house, trying to buy a car, trying to finance anything, um, or even getting a job, getting a, getting a security clearance, whatever, um, you, you, you just have to pay the money and it's extortion. It's mm-hmm. absolute extortion. And there's nothing that I can do. I tell these people, uh, I'm going to call the Consumer Financial Protection Board. I'm close to my congressman where I live. Um, you know, I, I have a, I have a podcast and I'm going to out you people, sprint. Um, doesn't matter. There's, because, because none of those weapons are strong enough to fight these people. Sorry, go ahead. No, they're not. And you're, you're taught from a young age that there's two things you need to do, right? And both of them are bogus. Number one is you need to go to college. Okay. We've, we've talked that to death. It's absolute bullshit. You don't need to go to college. But the second thing we're taught is that you need to have a good credit score. And in order to have a good credit score in America, you have to have credit. In order to have credit, you have to have debt. What is debt? It's usury. Okay. So to, to even get a score, you have to now turn away everything you believe in. Mm-hmm. Every moral and everything that you as a Catholic believe, you have to toss aside and say, okay, I've got to go out now and I've got to give to, to the usurious masters of the, of the, the new world, uh, a whole bunch of stuff and then hope and pray upon, upon all hope and praying 
that I never miss a payment because if I do, it goes down. And the more payments I miss, the more it goes down. And so now before I even start my life, I'm saddled with forty to $50,000 worth of school debt that I have to make payments on because one of the things that will hurt you is that is that student loan debt. And what a lot of people don't realize with student loan debt is when you get a Pell or, or a federal financial aid for school, it's not one loan. So it actually comes out as five or six different credit lines on your credit. So if you go in there and you look at your student loan, there's actually like six different ones. So it starts for each year. It's a different semesters, mm-hmm. all these different things. So you end up with five or six of these and yep. they're broken down. And so if you make, let's say, a $50 payment in a month and your payment's 80, then like three of your uh, of your things will report as as a missed payment. So this is where a lot of young people have gotten themselves in a lot of trouble because we don't teach any of this, right? We we send our kids to school, which again is 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 a complete and utter joke. We send our kids to these public school systems that don't teach them how to budget, don't teach them anything about usury, don't teach them anything about buying a house or anything like that. We teach our kids absolutely zero practical skills. We all sit here and go, the CCP is so bad, man. The CCP is terrible. You want to know why they're bad? Because they don't teach their kids the same tiring bullshit for 12 years. They teach their kids real stuff that they're going to need in life to be successful. Their Mm. kids are not learning about gender dysphoria. They're not learning that Sally has two dads. They're not learning about any of that stuff. They're learning what it takes to make something, what it takes to sell it, what it takes to budget it. They're learning all these things, and we're sitting here going, oh, we're so advanced because we we are so open to our trans and lesbian gay friends. How is that going to help our future society? It's not. And you see that with Gen Z, and I've been talking about this for a while now, where Gen Z is 33% of the women, and even the liberal groups are, are saying – this is unheard of that 33% of women in Gen Z identify as lesbian or trans. What? And, yeah. Is that a thing? Yep. And oh. 12% of the men identify as gay or trans. When asked of the additional portion of Gen Z, what's left over, 60% of what's left over says that they have no problem with gay or trans folks. So you're, you're now, you're now raising an entire generation of children in Gen Z that are effectively going to be one of the most useless generations ever. That's the reality. So of course, Gen Z is also the generation that is the most friendly toward the idea of socialism. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I mean, well, and, and, and I mean, look at what's happened to them just over the last two years. I mean, and this is still the formative part of of their lives. I mean, you could say it's, it's it's extremely formative also to toddlers developmentally who are just have total disconnection from the the, the context of people's emotions because they can't see their faces and, and all that. So there's probably a whole generation of sociopaths coming up after Z. But when you look at Z right now, they're coming up through the ranks they are now conditioned to absolute perfect obedience to their masters. Doesn't matter who the master is, faceless, nameless, whatever. No, it doesn't it doesn't matter because they don't know. All they know is somebody with a mask. So you're raising a bunch of children that that, that go out in public and all they see is masks. Um 
on everybody and that's and that's dangerous because they become uh, they become to the thought that wearing a mask is okay so when presented by somebody who's wearing a mask for nefarious reasons they're going to be welcome to it so when 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 the uh you know when the thugs from the government come running around in in their in their uh helmets in their you know face masks to uh to round you up or something you know the whole generation is gonna be like hey how you doing hey they're gonna be like the french when the Germans, you know, came into France, they're gonna be standing on the sidelines, going, "Hey, hey, this is great. How you doing?" You know, it's 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 complete it's complete control. It's it's just like when they started the whole COVID thing. What did they do when it, you went anywhere? Is they took that thermometer that looks like a gun and pointed it right at your head. And so, what are they doing? They're conditioning you to be accepting the idea of somebody putting a gun to your head. Mm-hmm. But nobody says. Everybody goes, "You're crazy." You're crazy. You think some crazy stuff. Well, not really. I'm, I'm telling you what's happened in the past. This is how they got the Russian people to convert, if you would, to Judeo Bolshevism so easily. They, they just went, eh, okay, because they were conditioned over a period of time to accept it. How do you think so many people in Russia were, were able to be starved to death? It's because they had no, no, no drive to fight it, none whatsoever. Well, I mean, and and we started this whole this whole train as well. You know, they you you will own nothing and you will be happy. Uh, we don't even own our houses. Mm-mm. I mean, Trad Patrick over at Rights and Duties, you don't own your house. I don't own my house because if I fail to pay my property taxes. Then the government owns my house. So I effectively, for the rest of my life, have to make a rent payment to them. I'm not so sure what the government did to help me acquire that house to begin with. What, do they own the whole planet? Do they own all the dirt in the whole world and we just have to rent it from them? Well, pretty much. I mean, I've, I've talked about this on my channel is that the idea that you own a home, there's very few people who can pay off their home in under the 30 years that it takes, especially with the astronomical home prices in this country right now. So that mm-hmm. means for 30 years, at least for 30 years, let's say you're lucky enough to buy your first home at 27. You're not going to own that home until you're 57, okay? If you're lucky, 57, if you haven't taken additional equity loans or whatever, second mortgages or whatever, you're going to be 57 years old by the time you own that home. Now, even when you do, as you just said, if you skip out on your on your property taxes, the government can come in and take your home or even better yet – the government can come in and claim eminent domain and they can condemn your property to take it from you at less than what the the, the fair market value of that home is. Because what mm-hmm. people don't realize is eminent domain is not coming in and going, well, you know, the rising home prices, you know, your home is now worth. No, they're going to they're going to reassess it and everything else. And they're going to say, we're building a highway here. This home ain't going to be worth, you know, squat. So you're going to be happy with whatever we give you uh, and you're going to go because regardless, we're taking it. You you don't own it. This land is not yours. It's the government's. The government owns it. And this was this was really a, a, a really a seminal question to a lot of the uh, you know the fascists it, back in the 30s uh, you know the 20s 30s and 40s was that they really believed in the idea of private property. And they said, look, if you if you go out and you buy property, uh, that's yours. It's not ours. It's not anything else. But Remember that you also have to be a responsible property owner and, and you gotta do stuff with that. So they incentivized people to, to farm, 
to, to grow food, to do all these other things. But the government said, look, that's your property. You own it. It's yours. And, and our government does not do that. And this, this is really the, the crux of where I get so irritated with, with the quote unquote Catholic speakers out there. You know, they'll make 9,999 videos and every one of them will be like, okay, dude, let's talk about the liturgical changes in, for the nine millionth time, right? I get it. We all get it. We know that there's problems with, with Vatican II. We know there's problems with all that. But, but, no, none of them want to address the underlying issues because then you get other people who are like, dude, Constitution's so great. Bellarmine would have been like all over it, dude. He would have loved mm-hmm. it, bro. And and that's absolutely not true because it's I'm the most sure un-Catholic. Who, I'm not sure who you're imitating right now, but that it sounds like a really obnoxious person. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you're kidding me, bro. Let me go get my Dixie cups out. <laughs> I'm take a video now. Um. Uh, but- <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, it's some people are definitely going to get that reference. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's annoying. It's like I, you know, here's the thing: people think I harbor like bad feelings for these people. I, I really don't. I really, largely, I do not harbor any bad uh, feelings. My, Brad my, Patrick, my. I, I don't believe that. Nobody believes that. They don't have to. I don't give a shit what people believe. But, <laughs> this is RTF, okay? We're, we we have a we have a three potty word max on our on our podcast. Okay, that was it. I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> I, I don't care poo-poo what people believe because it's true. I don't harbor bad feelings. What, what gets me and what irritates me is is that none of them want to address the underlying issues that affected the church, that really brought the church to where it is. And it's, and it's the libertine thought that the founding fathers yes. of this country brought to the world – uh, and you know, everybody's like, oh, it's American culture. Like, no, American mm-hmm. culture is going no. to Walmart, eating fast food, being morbidly obese, watching TV all day, uh, guzzling down, uh, you know, crappy beer while you watch NBA. That's, that's American thought. And it's just. But, but, but American culture also is being able to distinguish between the crappy beers of Coors and Miller and whatever else, right? And that's, that's, that's what American culture actually is. That's what a a refined gentleman can do. And he can do it live on YouTube as well in Dixie Cups because that is restoring the, the Christian crypto Catholic nature of this, of this republic. This republic that Bellarmine and Aquinas would have loved. You know, Pat, I am a big fan of St. Alphonsus Liguori, the Mm -hmm. moral doctor of the church. And do you know that every third or fourth sermon of his that I've ever read into a microphone, he is condemning the libertines, as he calls them. These are people that believe in liberty. And take Mm -hmm. liberty. They take liberties with their body. They take liberties with their soul, with their tongues. And um, that's like literally the foundation of the United States is to just do whatever the heck you want. Um, St. Alphonse is wrong? No. That's where I pull that word libertine from is from St. Alphonse. And, you know, it's – he's absolutely right. The libertine thought – the, the idea of America with this, you know, we all like, oh, the founding fathers are based. No, they, they were Masons. Um, and the idea that, oh, no, no, the Masons then were different. 
No. Oh, yeah. Uh, matter of fact, if anything, they were even worse then than they are now because they were still under the uh, they were still under the the Grand Lodge of England, the Orient Lodge of England, right? They still mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. still answering to that lodge, which is one of the worst lodges uh, there is. Oh, that's sure. extremely anti-Catholic because it, uh, it was Protestant. I don't. I don't even. When I see a Freemason sticker today. Maybe this is going to be controversial. I don't even care at this point because mm-hmm. I already know that the Freemasons have accomplished their mission. All right, they're they're yep. standing on the deck of an aircraft carrier with a uh, with a banner over their shoulder saying "Mission accomplished," and that's it. They've won. Um, so these little foot soldiers that they have, I, I I don't even care. I doubt I doubt that these people. I I I actually find the the idea credible that these people who meet up at at Masonic lodges today that they really are just having a little fraternity. They are just you know they're drinking beer and talking with business leaders in the community, and it's pretty harmless because it's all done. So when I did when I did all my investigation into into the Masons and everything many years ago, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things I did was I I actually went uh into these lodges i met with these people i talked to them when i when i wrote this paper and this was many many years ago um but the truth is is that there's two sides to it and and albert pike talks about this in morals and dogma right mm-hmm. albert pike says right there in morals and dogma there are two societies there's a society within a society mm-hmm. and at every meeting there's a guy and that guy is kind of like a recruiter and he sits there at every lodge and every meeting. He's always there. He's usually like some like geriatric Methuselah sitting there. He's probably like 900 years old, um, can barely walk, right? But that guy is the most powerful guy in that room. And when he taps you on the shoulder and he says, come over here, I want to talk to you. Albert Pike talks about this and he says, that's when you're going to be brought into the real society that's when you're going to be brought into the real part of of masonry otherwise most of those guys they have no idea they they do think because they're largely ignorant they're like hey i'm just gonna hang out with some dudes we're gonna you know we're gonna larp around we're gonna wear our little uh toga apron over here and uh we're gonna do our silly ceremonies and uh with our made-up uh characters and all that and you know uh, and, and so they, you know, they make up a whole story. There's a whole story around Hiram Abiff, right? Hiram Abiff is the ar- great architect of the temple, right? And they literally, in in their third degree ceremony, they kill you. They, they literally, you know, you know, figuratively, they don't actually kill you, but mm-hmm. they literally kill you, and then you're raised. Okay, this is their own language. They raise you uh, from that death into into this brotherhood, and. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, they don't get that, uh, they don't get that symbolism. They don't, they don't understand what that means because, you know, it's, it's very advanced. Symbology, a symbolism is, is hard for most people to get. They don't, they don't know what it means and they think it's just, you know, this, this funny little thing that they're doing and then they get that tap. And they're brought over to this other thing. And that's why 
that's why it's dangerous because even if you think you're going there and you think you're just going there to hang out, understand that if you go there to hang out and that, that, that old man over there that, you know, you think is creepy all of a sudden taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, I want you to come here at this time in this place. Um, if you don't show up, <laughs> your life is pretty much over. So, and at that point, they own you. They, they own you. And it's, it's, it's the same thing with the people like Washington and Franklin. Franklin was a devout Mason. Same thing with, with Washington. Very, very devout, uh, to the, to the organization. No, no, no. Patrick, Patrick. I mean, yeah, you're getting your history all wrong. Don't we know that George Washington was the first Catholic president? He had a death. Bad conversion. There was a there was an SJ standing by his side, so we know that he was received. You mean the SJs that were censored at the time? <laughs> you mean the SJs that supposedly had all the documents in the SJ library and they didn't like? I mean, come on. You think if those documents were in an SJ library that somebody like Jimmy Martin would be out there like, hey guys, guess what I got? I got the proof. Ha ha. He was one of us. He was an SJ. No, uh, I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. And the thought of it is ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's the case, he would have had enough time at that point to change his, his burial, uh, you know, uh, routine and which, mm-hmm. which he did not change. He had a full Masonic, uh, burial. Uh, full Masonic rites, everything like that. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, people don't want to wake up. And the reason that people don't want to wake up is there's just so many people out there filling their heads with bull that they just start to believe it. It's, it's, you know, let me get a crap sandwich and I'm going to eat it. And it's just, that's, that's what, that's what America is. That's why, like, I laugh when people say, I'm never going to eat the bugs, dude. Yeah, you are. You know yeah. you are. You yeah. know you are because you've been eating the bugs your whole life because somebody comes along to you and says to you, well, this portion of history they're telling you is completely false. This is the real history. No, 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 no. That's not real. Well, yeah, it is. It's like what's going on right now where you have uh, you have people out there attacking Franco now. This is like the new thing, right? Uh, the SSPX comes out with a couple of very, let's just say, fash-friendly uh, – Letters and stuff, and now all of a sudden Franco's back in the in the discussion, and everybody's like, "Oh, Franco was bad," and this is why the church came out and they wanted they wanted to get rid of the Spanish confessional state and blah 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 and da 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 da. No offense, but Franco was more Catholic than I would say Francis. <laughs> that doesn't offend me in the slightest. Um, of course, I have conquistador blood, so I'm kind of a Franco fi. Uh, fan myself just 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 landing the plane on the american experiment though Mm -hmm. i don't what i don't understand is why it is so difficult for so many people look actually i take it back i do understand it i do understand it because patriotism we're we're ordered towards patriotism right pat i mean like it's it's in our nature it's in our blood we want to be part of a clan we want to be part of a crew patriotism is a Catholic virtue, it doesn't mean what we think it is. It doesn't mean rah, rah, wave the flag. Our, our nation is awesome. It means to, uh, you know, to love your nation when, and to love something means to will it's good. So I do love, I love America. I love things about America. I, um, you know, you also took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies foreign and domestic. 
Um, well, for 200 and something years, we've really only focused on foreign enemies. We have some very real domestic enemies at home, and, and the fact of the matter is that most of them teach at universities and colleges and, and you know, are in so, media and entertainment. So, of course, you've got two different things, right? And I'm going to use a term that, of course, is 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 you're not allowed to say it. Um, oh, boy. The Ukrainians, Ukrainians had this saying. It was called blood and soil. And, yes, yeah, some LARPy idiots in America have – you know, really turned that around. But the idea of blood and soil was that you loved your nation based upon the people of your nation and the land, but you didn't love the government, the government of the times, the modern era from 1900 to today uh, are bad. They're all bad. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're talking about America, if you're talking about uh you know, the rainbow flag in Canada or you're talking about uh, Italy or Spain, right? All the governments today are bad. And why are they bad? Largely because they're free Masonic. They're free mm-hmm. Masonic. Libertine thought that uh, San Alfonso's Liguori is talking about is Masonic thought. Um, the uh, idea of equality and fraternity comes from Freemasons. They de- developed that philosophy. They are the ones who put that together. And a lot of people are like, you know, well, yeah, you know, the Masons aren't really a problem anymore. And you get people like, you know, Fulton Sheen who said, well, you could be a Mason as long as your lodge is attacking the church. It's OK. You don't you're not going to be excommunicated for it anymore because we've become a nation. And I would say we've become a culture in the West as a whole that has adopted freemasonic libertine thought mm-hmm. we we believe that we believe that treating everybody equally no matter what they do is the right thing that is not what what the church intended that is not what our lord and savior intended that is not what god intended if that was what god intended first off we would all look the same we would all speak the same language. We would all have the same abilities. We would all have the same talents. But the reality is we don't. We don't have the same abilities. We don't have the same talents. We don't all speak the same language. We don't all look the same. And because of that, we're not equal. But that does not mean what a lot of people think it means. And they go, oh, well, that's racist. It's not racism. It's not racism at all for me to point out and say – well, they have a different culture than mine, and I, I don't like their culture. I, I, I don't want to go out and you know parade around as a person from uh, Ecuador, for example, or, or something like that. Why? Because I'm Italian, so I, I like my culture. I like where I, you know, where my family comes from. I like our things. Does that mean that I don't occasionally have tacos or burritos? No, of course I do, but it just means that. I don't look at that and go, well, they're just the same as me. And that's that's one of the major, I would say, misinterpretations of Catholics today is is that they think that you just accept everybody no matter what because that's what we're supposed to do. And that's not what the Great Commission and all the other things were about. That's well, not. But that's what we've that's what we have received as a so-called nation of immigrants. 
right? I mean, that's that's what is taught, and now they're teaching it to to infants. Mm-hmm. I think, now, I, and they they're going to go further with it. I mean, I don't know how you go further than infants. <laughs> I can tell you right now. You come California, and the California school board has approved the teaching of a counter genocide against white people. Now, what does white people mean? I had John Waters on, and he says, I don't call myself white. I call myself Irish. I don't call I, myself white. I call myself Italian. I thought I thought his perspective on that was really interesting because he did say – yeah, I, I was listening to you live on that on that particular show when he said, I'm not white. I'm Irish. Mm-hmm. I, he's I don't even know what white is. Well, first off, white – first off, most white people aren't white per se. They're beige. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, it, that's the truth, right? I, I'm, I'm considered a Mediterranean. Okay. So my skin is olive colored. Um, I know people who are, are Irish or Scottish who are as, you know, as light skinned as you could possibly get. If they're in the sun for five minutes, they're burned. Right. But then I know people in Spain who are, uh, olive skin like me and then i go over to, to to friends of mine that are greek and they're like three shades darker than me right so the idea mm-hmm. the idea is correct if you use so a lot of people started using the terminology white um because it was easy right it's just okay instead of saying okay you know all these people are the same but the reality is, is that we could just say that we are uh, of of western european descent um because western europe western europe has a lot of very different shades, right? So if you just say white, it's kind of like, ah, it's kind of a ridiculous thought. But who took that over? But the libertine people, the socialist, communistic people who then say, okay, now we're going to take what you're saying and we're going to use it against you. We're going to say, okay, white people have white privilege. If you had kept it as what we had kept it in our society for many, many years, which was just saying Western Westerners, it would have been very hard for them to say, well, you have Western privilege, right? Because what would that mean? It wouldn't mean anything. So, again, it's kind of like that controlled opposition where sometimes you don't even realize that you're being used as control opposition. So you start to use their terminology. You start to use their stuff, and then they use it against you. So here they go with this counter genocide. So what do they think? White people are out there plotting a genocide? I mean – Get real. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Nobody's out here. So what you're saying is before you do a genocide, we're going to do a genocide on you. And in order to do that, by the way, this is the California school board. They're going to pray to Aztec gods to uh, aid them in this counter genocide. So now we have and and I blame a lot of this. I'll, I'll be honest with you. As a traditional Catholic, I blame a lot of this on the post conciliar church. Because especially now with Francis, you know, this grand again, here's the libertine thought. Okay, what's he talking about? Equality, fraternity, liberty. He's talking about all these things that are Freemasonic. Matter of fact, he's using the exact same motto that they used in the French Revolution. Now, of course, everybody will go, Yeah, the French Revolution was bad. And then I go, Well, so is the American one. They go, No, 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 no. No, no, the American Revolution was based. What was based about it? If we if we really sit down and we really digest the idea of the American Revolution, the story we're told was about taxation without representation. But 
let me let me enlighten your listeners here. America is the most taxed country in the world. Okay, you could say, well, Europeans pay like thirty percent, dude. Yes, you are correct. But most European countries have the same population as a single state in this country. Okay, that's number one. And with that money, they're able to give more back to their citizens. That's number one. Number two, they only pay, pay a, a value added tax on, um, and high dollar items, right? So things like food and stuff like that, there is absolutely no tax. There's no tipping in restaurants. There's all these things, right? Everything's included. If it's $10, it's $10 and that's it. Here in America, you pay a state income tax. You pay sometimes a city income tax. You pay a federal income tax. You pay a property tax. You pay a sales tax. You pay a gas tax. The list goes on. And when you really boil it down, the average person in America is paying close to 38% in tax and gets absolutely nothing back from our government. You get squat back from the government. Even if you fell on hard times and you were making 120 grand a year and you have six kids and blah, 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 you fell on hard times and you try to get help from the government, they're going to be like, well, you know, uh, you made a little too much money last year. Sorry, can't help you. That's that's the thought process in America. So you're telling me that we fought a revolution over taxes, but yet now we're the highest tax government. You're not being told the real story. Because mm-hmm. one of the first things they wanted to do, and it, this is well documented, that – the idea of the freedom of religion aspect was because the founders did not want the Catholic Church to gain a foothold in the country. They wanted to make sure that America did not fall into the trap of Europe by being under the control of the Vatican. Yeah, that, yeah. The, uh, Anti-Catholic bias is part of the DNA of this land. Mm-hmm. This is a wasp country. 100% wasp. I, I, I like I like referring to it as a Puritan empire. That's what Charles uh, Kalum calls it in his book Puritan Empire. Mm-hmm. And um, and like I don't I just don't understand Pat. Like not to not to keep circling back to a, a really obnoxious um, topic, but like how can you how can you sit there and say that well all of these people that came across an ocean in a boat. For months to try to get here, people died of various sicknesses, scurvy. Lots of people didn't survive. Babies were born on these boats. You risk your life, your livelihood, your honor, your family name, your heritage, your patrimony to get over here, to get away from the Catholic Church and to finally found something that is truly free from the papists in Rome. How can you then sit there and say 400 years later, well, this is really like a totally base Catholic nation. How can you say that? Like how I'm sorry. I, I don't want, I don't want to call names, but, but how, I, I, how dumb do you have to be? Uh, I can how low you, functioning do you have to be to make that argument? Well, they were so Catholic. They didn't even know they were Catholic, Pat. I'm actually reading this book too. They're so Catholic. They don't even know it. Well, the, the best part was, is that, 
The best part is that they read Aquinas. Well, I'm sorry, but Aquinas wasn't translated at the time, and he wasn't also available outside of monasteries. So um, <laughs> books were not <laughs> widely distributed. You didn't go onto the internet and download Aquinas' Summa on your Kindle and read it. Uh, it was it was still in in full ecclesiastical Latin. It was still uh really the books were in monasteries and stuff like and and i read the book i i, I did and I, I i literally like when i got done with it 265 pages later i felt 265 pages dumber mm-hmm. um for reading it because for one it's written like it, it's written like complete trash right it's 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 well, not it's not that well, part it, is true that part is not, true yeah writing it's not style well put together the writing style is gar- look if you're gonna write a book sorry i cut you off I, and i hate doing that but if you're going to write a book, like, you know, could you maybe add some add some style to it, add some pizzazz? I mean, make something that's a pleasure to read. So many of these books that we get these days, and I won't – I'm not going to attack everybody's books and all this stuff. And, like, there are some that have sold a lot of money and, you know, lots of copies and brought people to the faith, and that's all good. But why why don't we hold a candle – this is just a straight question. Don't Don't even bother answering it. Continue down your path. But why – why are our elders, our betters, at this language which we purport to speak? Why can we not communicate in a graceful, beautiful way? Is it because we've dumbed everything down? We're basically Protestants in this country. We have no style, no taste, no class, no culture, no anything. All right, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, we don't. And then we, and then we go on in that particular book to quote Montesquieu. <laughs> who, by the way, right. okay, if there's one guy in history I would punch in the face, it would be Montesquieu, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Montesquieu was not some sort of like based Catholic. He was an agnostic Catholic at best until his death, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to die. I want to go to heaven. I'll, let me revert now on my deathbed. That's the greatest thing. Everybody goes, oh, that dude, like he converted on his deathbed, so he's based. No, that's the easy way out. It's like, let me be a heathen. Let me be a disgusting sinner my entire life. And then right before I die, I'm going to go, I want to accept the Catholic Church now. Yeah. That's what, what that is doing is saying, I know the truth my whole life. I know the truth my whole life, but I'm going to reject it my entire life. And then when I get, you know, it's, it's, it's in the movies, right? Everybody has that deathbed conversion, right? I'm going to die. And now all of a sudden it, you, you hear this with like people who are going to, you know, right before the death penalty and they all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to die in three days. I better like, uh, dude, I better find God. Like, you know, I, I largely, like, I'm not gonna question anybody's conversion. I think that's, that's wrong. But I, I mean, I, I am gonna take a little bit of, of a more careful approach to somebody who's going to die in two days all of a sudden wants the faith. You know, that's, you know, it's, it's the easy way out. But with Montesquieu, Montesquieu was a libertine. He was a hundred percent a libertine. And, and to go amongst your point, Harry Potter sold, sold millions of books. And that woman couldn't write if her life depended on it. She mm-hmm. stole every idea from every fantasy book ever written before her. And all you have to do is go and look up the, the, everything that matches up to something else. I mean, she has like some creature in there, right? I don't know, but she has some creature in there that does X, Y, Z. That's the ring race, right? She literally stole the ring race. They even actually look from what I'm told like the ring race, right? 
millions of people, millions of people, billions of people in the world have read these books. They have a whole culture based around these books. So, yeah, Americans largely uh, they look for the dumbest, easiest things to read because it's easy. Right. So now I get some guy and he's telling me, yo, check it out. Come over here. Look at this. Check it out. America was really Catholic. See that this is a grand conspiracy to keep mm. that from you. Really? Really? Hey, so we're just, we're just waiting until our 500th anniversary, you know, our jubilee year in, in the United States to, to come out of the closet and finally announce <laughs> that we're Catholic. Like we're just going to let, you know, we're going to let, um, a hundred generations pass by before we decide to announce that, you know, that we're Catholic. I mean, like what, what bogus, what, I mean, this, the, I say the word bogus and immediately my mind goes to bogus ordo. <laughs> You've conditioned beast. Trad Pat from uh, Rights and Duties. Um, the other thing about our founding that I think people really don't understand is how starkly different the two approaches of coming to the New World were. And, of course, victory... History is told by the victors, you know, and uh, so since we live in this waspy Puritan empire, we get the Puritan version of history. Mm-hmm. And so the the Spaniards, the conquistadors, they came across the ocean and they landed on the New World and they butchered the natives and they – conducted bio war on them and gave them smallpox back before cellular biology was even invented mind you and uh but but the more humane you know the anglos came across and uh and everything was okay i mean no literally it's the opposite the spanish came across to save souls to build missions to make converts to give glory and honor to god yeah they were looking for gold too but the the Brits came over and just slaughtered people. Unfortunately, I think the French did a little bit of that too. Well, if you take the Carlist approach to things, right? If you take the Carlist approach to things, the Spaniards were great at colonization. The Anglo's, the Brits, were terrible at it. They were horrible at it. As a matter of fact, the the English were so bad at colonizing that the one major place that they had revolted against them and overthrew their king. So I mean, that's that's literally and and then within what uh, mm-hmm. within a uh, hundred years of that, they had lost their entire empire. You know, maybe a hundred and fifty years, whatever. They had lost their their entire empire at that point, and all they had left is is Ireland and Scotland, and that's it. You know, other than that, they lost India, they lost Africa, they lost all these things. Because they were really, really bad at it. So to your point, yeah, you have two different versions of coming to the New World. You have Columbus and everybody comes to the New World. And of course, you know, even even the church is like, oh, we have to, you know, make rep and sense for our, our sins of colonization. Sins, do you realize, okay, maybe they did some bad things, but I mean, come on, you're walking upon a heathen society that you just found from found out from the other tribes that the other tribes wanted to work with the Spaniards because they're like, dude, they keep coming into our village and taking like 500 of our people and then cutting their heart out and then tossing the body off of this stupid mountain um, mm. because they want rain. Um, you know, I, I think there was at one point the the Mayans, there was one celebration where they literally sacrificed 10,000 people. 
Um, so if you're the Spaniards and you, you know, you're a cultured society, you have God, you have all these, <laughs> yeah. and you're seeing this, you're like, whoa, you know, so you're, you're, you're like, these are demons. These are, you know, these, are, these, <laughs> these people are not good people. And so then you, you go to war with them. And then what do you think? You know, the, the grand idea of Americans is you go to war with somebody and then you give them back all their shit. <laughs> it's like so so they're like, they took their gold uh yeah they won um you know uh how many how many uh missionaries you know we don't talk about that but how many missionaries were were sacrificed to their heathen gods because they were just out there you know trying to educate these people and teach them how to read and all these other things we don't hear about that no we hear about all the sins of the conquistadors and all this and that uh, America's just as bad. You know, if we look at it from some standpoint, you know, we came here and we took all the Indians, uh, land and everything else. So, so our hands aren't clean. And yet we, we pretend to be so much better, uh, about everything. And it's, it's really kind of a, it's, it's a lowbrow thought process. It really is. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, but it, it's, and it's a Freemasonic sham too, because it is, a, it's an overt attack on the faith. When the Spanish and the French came over, they were converting people and building chapels. And that was, that was a horrifying to, you know, to the, uh, white Anglo Protestants. And so they had to concoct this, uh, this massive history. I mean, you can even see, um, and again, going back to Charles's book, he he catalogs some of this in the book. You can see that former presidents are writing to current presidents. You know, like you've got Jefferson writing, you know, corresponding with with Madison, and 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 saying, you know, conspiring, like, oh man, it'd be it'd be really great if you could stop those pesky Catholics to ourselves. Maybe even pick up Cuba while you're at it. Maybe maybe uh, you can provoke some war and just seize all of Florida, and then just keep going too and grab all of Mexico. I mean, these people were these people were like absolutely focused on destroying Catholicism in the New World, and they hated South America, they hated Central America because it was Catholic, because it was because it was European in its culture. Within one generation, in places like Peru, in places like Mexico. Within one generation of the church arriving there, suddenly you have Baroque music, classical mm-hmm. architecture, you have culture. And, um, you know, to the, to the Puritans, which we still have Puritan blood in our, in our veins right now. We still have Puritan instincts. This was intolerable. This was horrible. To all these, to, you know, to, and so they were, so they're, they, they tried to destroy the church from without. They tried, Ultimately, to destroy the church from within. You know, a lot of people in the United States are very fond of saying no, separation of church and state. We have to keep these two institutions separated from each other. Well, Mr. Separation of Church and State, uh, what would you think about your federal government printing Protestant Bibles, hiring Protestant ministers, and exporting these two things to Latin America to try to destroy and co- convert the people away from the one true faith. What would you, what, imagine the, the United States federal government sending a missionary brigade for a specific creed into a specific part of the world to convert them to a specific way of being. Wait. Oh wait, no, that's, that's, that's called the U.S. Army. No, 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 that's not what it's called. 
It's called the only American religion to ever actually be developed, which is the Mormon Church. And the Mormon Church was created by a Freemason, uh, three of them to be exact, uh, who now today spend billions of dollars every year sending American children at 18 years old to go to third world nations to convert them to Mormonism. Guess what is one of the largest growing religions in the third world? Mormonism. What is Mormonism based on? America. Americanism. 100%. That is who is out there doing it. And the you notice that the American government really doesn't have anything much to say about Mormons or anything like that because it is a, it is a religion that was developed around the idea of Americanism. Aha. Stumped you there, didn't I? Mm, yeah, you got me. You got me. I like it. I like what you did there. I like it a lot. Um, Okay, we were going to talk about a couple things. I forget what they were. We hit the Suez Canal, $5 gas. Military. Uh, Oh, yeah. There's – okay, we got to do it. We got to keep going. We do. Okay, so explain to our listeners, Trad Patrick – at Rights and Duties, Rights and Duties podcast, Rights and Duties on YouTube. Your name, yeah, you don't sound like a Patrick to me. You've already told me you're Mediterranean, but I appreciate that you say that your name is Patrick. But Pat, tell me, uh, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. You served mm-hmm. in the United States Armed Forces for a long time, long enough to know what a stand down is. Can you tell us what a stand down is? Layman's turns. Uh, stand down basically means what it sounds like. Everything stops. Okay. We do this in construction too. Well, if we have an incident in construction, we'll have what's called a safety stand down. We don't work. Uh, we basically stand down for the day and we, we learn about whatever happened on that particular incident and how it did not have it happen again. What the United States military is doing is standing down because the United States military wants to change its look. So I think the Marines used to have a saying, the few, the bold, the Marines, right? Well, now the Marines are saying uh, something. What is it? Something we can we can all be Marines or something like that, something along those lines. So the idea now with the military, with the stand down, in other words, they're not out there fighting or anything like that. Their new directive their new directive is to combat the ideas of inequality, mm-hmm. racism, extremism, and uh, you know uh, to foster an environment of equality and uh, I guess fraternity uh, amongst the military. Now the problem with that again is okay we can we can go back to China they're not doing that we can go to Russia they're not doing that North Korea certainly ain't doing it. Um, and so our military now, and, and the funny thing is, is you can look at how many women are in forward command positions in the military, uh, and you can just think to yourself, okay, this is not a good idea because whenever I think of like the great wars of the past, the Peloponnesian war, the, uh, you know, the Romans, the different Roman, uh, battles that took place like it, uh, like in Britain and in Germany and, and all these other places, there was never a woman standing in a command tank going, you know, 
I think if we just go over there and we hug them, um, I think they'll like us and then we could work together to like get this. You know, I think that's a good idea. Could you imagine Patton being a woman and standing there against Rommel going, you know what, Rommel? I read your book. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like it. It was kind of mean. Um, kind of felt like you, you know, went out there to kill people and stuff. It's not nice, Rommel. No, Patton stood up there and he said, I read your book, you B word. Uh, and, and, you know, and Patton was a true warrior, right? He came out there and he said he harbored no hatred whatsoever to the German people. None. He said, he said, he said outright he had, he had no hatred, no dislike of the German people at all. He was at war and he actually admired their fighting capability. And women do not have that same ability. No, they cannot, they cannot sit there. They can't detach their emotions, their emotions from that. If, if, if this is not, this isn't, this is not a sexist comment. It's just a biological comment. It, they don't have that ability. No, they don't. And, and, and then you have other people who, who you know have mental disorders, you know, that can't figure out what they are. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. Babies can open up their pants and go, yeah, that's what I am. Um, but you now have adults who, who don't know what they are supposedly, right? And now you're going to say that that person is going to be able to lead men into battle? No offense. But this whole idea that they've got is, is, is complete nonsense. It's completely insane. And the fact that people are sitting home and even thinking that this is a good idea should really disturb a lot of people. You want to really get scared? Go and look at videos of how the spinats train. Go look at how the, the, the Chinese, uh, naval forces, uh, conduct war games. Then go look at our, our pictures that I've shown a couple times of our, uh, you know, gay couples in the Marine Corps or gay couples in the Air Force or our women commanders who totally do not look intimidating. I mean, I'll show you a picture of, of, of a Russian admiral that I know. And let me tell you something. That dude, that dude looks like he's been standing on the deck of an aircraft carrier since he was three years old. His skin is weather beaten. He makes, he makes Sam Elliott look like he's got good skin. Okay. This dude is like the thing of nightmares. Okay. And now you've got this woman and she's like, I'm coming for you. I'm sure he's like sitting there going, I'm not scared. <laughs> it, I mean, this, and, and now of course you have their, their training manual and all this now also states that Christians are extremists. Yeah. And should be rooted out of the military. So you're talking about getting rid of white people from the military. You're getting rid of, of, of straight men from the military. You're getting rid of Christians from the military. You have two senators, I believe, so far who've come out and admitted that they will not vote for any white nominee to any office uh, unless that white nominee is uh, a member of the LGBTQ community. So you have a nation now that has put its armed forces – and its government into the hands of the most depraved and mentally ill people in the world. Yeah, I mean, as you look at it, for, and for those who are kind of still catching up and maybe didn't catch um, my podcast the other day just about the, the fact that the military is having an extremism stand down um, – Nobody is actually defining, Pat, what extremism is. I haven't seen it. I've been looking for it. I, I want to know what an extremist is. But as far as I can tell, an, it's, it's like the war on terror. You're, 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 now, you're no longer at war with a people 
You're no longer at war with a geography, with a nation state. You're just at war with an idea. And then once you declare war on that idea, anybody that you don't like or want or want to have, want to be around, you just say that they're guilty of that idea. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you're a terrorist. No, you're a terrorist. Now, now you and I are domestic terrorists, right? Um, so now, uh, same same playbook, label. We're going to have a stand down against extremism. We don't want extremism in the in the military at all. I, you know, I would think that in the Marine Corps you would want some extremists. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's a little bit extreme to run towards the gunfire, not away from it. It's a wow. little bit extreme to be wired to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy as a tactical task. You want an extremist, right? But no, 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 no. That's that's not that's not what we want. But well, what is extremism? Uh, it's defined by our female um, – check the early life uh, – director of national security, uh, Avril something or other. Um, she's defined it as domestic violent extremism, and domestic violent extremism, according to her, the director of national intelligence, is anybody who – Talks ill of the government. Anybody who defends the ideas of traditional marriage, traditional life, mm-hmm. anybody who defends the idea of American exceptionalism. Uh, so basically, anybody who defends tradition at all is now, uh, and they don't use the word terrorist because that would be mean, because that would be concocting ideas of our, you know, according to Pope Francis, our Muslim brothers. Um, so we use the term DVE. That is the government coined term now, domestic violent extremists. So I, I've been tossing around the idea of making a T-shirt uh, that shows a particular uh, uh, piece of property up here in Idaho uh, from the 1990s uh, and just saying we are now all Ruby Ridge. Um you know, th- this particular person was considered a DVE too, um, because he didn't pay a $30 tax stamp on, on converting a, a particular firearm. Uh, and for that, uh, injustice, he was, uh, he was forced to watch our government shoot his wife in the back and his son in the back, uh, mm-hmm. while his wife was holding their, their child, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was shot in the back of the head. So, um, you know, I've often said, think what you want about them. They were, you know, Nazi cuckoo. I mean, anybody who's a Seventh Day Adventist is a Nazi cuckoo. But largely, by and by, the the people in Waco were not violent extremists, and yet our government burned them to death. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this totally crypto Catholic nation of ours. Um, you know, has done a lot of bad things. And, and now what they're trying to do is root out anybody who says that. So so me saying that, a lot of people say, yeah, dude, you're so brave. You you don't even show your face and your name or nothing. It's like, well, I say a lot of things that people like, uh, I don't know, Skojak, Marshall, any of those people, I say things that they will never, ever, ever say. Um because these things are foreboding in this country. Um, you can't point this out. You can't point out that Janet Reno uh, 
spearheaded an organization inside this government that literally went out and killed hundreds of people in an eight-year period. Um, oh, yeah. You can't say that. Um, she, 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 she burned a bunch of them alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and these were not the only ones, by the way. Waco and Ruby Ridge were not the only ones. There were a couple of smaller ones. And we even under Obama, we had another one with the Bundys, right? So, I mean, the idea of what a DVE is to them is anybody who stands up and says, I don't like the idea of becoming a socialized nation. I don't like the idea of somebody like Alexandria Cortez being in uh, Congress. I don't like the idea of voting. I really would rather have a return to a traditional Catholic style of government. Um, you know, somebody like me, I go out there and I say, look, I, I firmly stand by the idea of fascism. And everyone's like, oh, that's bad. Even the Catholic Church isn't like that. Oh, that's bullshit. But that's a, that's a story for another day. But it's it's, you know, this is the idea is that if you stand up and say those things, you're now a DVE and the government wants you out of the government. And largely what that means is that you're going to have what they want is a military that's compliant. Right now, they don't have a military that is compliant. And why do they want – you have to ask yourself, why do they want a compliant military? It's not to fight China because a compliant military is not going to do very well against them. It's not going to be to fight Russia because a, a, a compliant military is not going to do very well against them. And let me tell you a little secret that most people don't know. China and Russia, they're not going to invade us. They're not going to go to war with us. They don't have to. No. They we are going to destroy ourselves. Both of them become, realize it. They exactly. they have they, they have helped us along this path. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I I very much believe that there has been uh, subversive communist activity in in this country for a long time, imported um, from Russia and and other places, perhaps. Um, certainly, a certain type of person who has a certain type of manner of speech and look about them uh and bloodline ha are um are part of that but the truth is pat that we are going to destroy ourselves when you look at the military today it is an eerie thing to say and this is a dangerous thing to say this is a dangerous thing to say on any microphone anywhere in this country but it would appear as though the mission that the military is training for is no longer full-scale kinetic operations overseas against an armed enemy. Mm. Now everything they do is focused on urban environments, urban combat. It's focused on uh, counterinsurgency, so-called, which is another way of saying – tyranny and um and that's 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 all that's all that they do uh the well first off if there's another war i would be honest with people it, the new war is not going to be felt for on a battleground it's going to be fought digitally it's going to be fought um miles away from each other it's 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 subversive warfare it's it's what's known as fourth generational warfare it's it's Cyber attacks, it's power grid attacks, it's stuff like that. So that's number one. You don't need a standing military for that, right? You 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 largely don't. Um, you you have your your 
your tech nerds that, you know, got in trouble for hacking into NASA or something like that that are sitting in some camp that the government's running, um, sitting there and, and running these attacks. There's a great, uh, great documentary about literally how the, our government and Israel worked together to create the Stuxnet and the heart virus, uh, to attack Iran. And so, um, and that, which I'm surprised is that that documentary is still free on YouTube. You can see it on there. But, um, but the reality of the situation is, is that, and a lot of people don't realize this. I mean, Stalin was good friends with Eisenhower. Eisenhower became a president of this country. So, uh, I mean, you, you've got Eisenhower, you got video of Eisenhower standing on, uh, on the parade dais, uh, you know, laughing and joking up with Stalin, uh, at the end of the war. Um, and having a full honors parade in in his honor by a, a ruthless communist dictator. Uh, so the you know I think a lot of people largely misunderstand a lot of these things we're talking about. They misunderstand the Masons, they misunderstand the Illuminati, and they really misunderstand to a large degree communism too. Um, and they don't understand warfare. They don't understand how warfare is fought. They don't understand a lot of the things that people like you and I do uh, because they they live in a safe little bubble of whatever world they live in. Um, they have what they need to get by. They have food. They have shelter. They have clothes. They have tobacco. They have booze. They have all these things that they want, right? They have their sports ball. They have their baseball cards. They have their their video games and everything else. And so they so they hear something and they go, oh, yeah, this the communism that's coming. Well, I wouldn't say coming. The communism that's already here is not the same as Stalin. OK, it's a very different. It's a very advanced, very um, manicured, if you would, form of communism, because we learned our 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 communist rulers learned the mistakes Mm-hmm. That those people made, but you could go back to really Marx in the in the late 1800s, who, by the way, was pen pals with Lincoln. Um, they they wrote letters to each other, calling each other their best friend. Um, but you go back to even Marx, and and the idea is creating a utopia, and you can't create a utopia with three things. You can't create it with tradition. You can't create it with Catholicism and you can't create it with a level of, I would say, independence, right? So I think a lot of people get independence and individuality mixed up. Independence is what we think we have right now where we can, we can do certain things, but we just realized over the past year that that independence can be taken from us, that they can create anything that can take that independence so that was phase one phase two they excuse me phase one they already started to do which is get rid of religion right phase two was get rid of that independence now phase three is what they're working on now which is getting rid of tradition and you get rid of tradition by confusing the crap out of people and that's what we have done we have confused people to a point where they don't know what's What's right, what's wrong, because everything we think now is everything that's bad is good and everything that's good is bad. And so now you've taken these three things and now you can create your false utopia. But what is that utopia? Well, that utopia is a land where the government dictates that everybody's equal except 
except the people in government. They're better. You see, you're all equal, and that's okay, but we here in government, we're better mm-hmm. because we know what's best for you. Right. And that's where you get people like one eye Willie over there. You get Cortez. You get uh, Kabula. <laughs> you get uh, 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 Palazzi. You get uh, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer. You get all these people who, who literally have a combined IQ of about five. OK, if you took all of Congress, all of the Senate, all of the White House, all of the Supreme Court, everybody together, you're going to get a, a combined IQ of five. You literally won't be able to squeeze a fart out of these idiots. But the reality is, is that what they what they are. Is they are dedicated. What you saw in the last five years is something that the conservators, the neocons. And everybody else don't get. Those people are extreme ideologues. 100%. They will back each other. Everybody's like, oh, the Democrats could turn on Pelosi and blah, blah, blah. And yes, I'm saying her name wrong on purpose. Um, but that's what they're they, – they, they do not turn on each other. They never turn on each other. And that is why Trump lost. That is why everything Trump did got poo-pooed on. That is why all these things happened because largely those people, they will stick together because they have a goal. They have an agenda. And while the conservators are over there and they're like, hey, this is my base gay friend. He's based. He's all about tradition and everything. Woo. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> um uh, can we just touch on that for a second? Why is everybody focused on Milo? I don't care about Milo. I don't. I've, I. I don't even hardly know who the person is. What I do know is that he has lived an active, disordered lifestyle for his entire life, and now all of a sudden he wants to be called Catholic. Is well, it? Is isn't it irresponsible for people to just welcome him into the fold and say, "Oh, yay! You're done. You're all so- done." Well, so here's here's the false misguided ideology of most Catholics in this world is that we we're, we're supposed to take everybody exactly on face value. They said it, so it's good. We have to accept it now. Here's the thing: you could pray for somebody to have a, a, a right ordered conversion and everything like that, but when the person comes out and literally has been doing nothing but the talk show circuit since they've said this, it's going to put into my mind that this is complete and utter bullshit. Okay, this person, by the way, for those who don't know, he is one of the most prolific grifters on the planet. He knows how to he knows how to manipulate something to his benefit. I said years ago, I said when being gay becomes the mainstream, he will not be gay anymore. Because the whole thing for him for being gay was the shock and awe of it. Now there's no shock and awe to it anymore. So it's like, all right, I don't have to do that anymore. And I think that honestly, I think that that person can literally do that, can literally go, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because because to him, that's what it was about. It was about that he stood out from the crowd because he could always go out and be, I'm the gay conservative. But now that every gay person's a conservative – he doesn't stand out from the crowd. So now he can grift off and saying, well, 
I used to be gay, but now I'm not. So now I stand out from the crowd. So now I'm something different than everybody else. I know, oh, by the way, I'm also going to create a, uh, what do you say? Uh, 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 he's going to create a, a facility in, in Florida for, uh, well, yeah, oh, he's going to, he's people it, to uh, retraining or whatever. Yeah. Or? Yeah. He's going to, you know, bring the gay people in there and, and, uh, uh, transition them or whatever. I, but, but the idea is, is that, there are people who have done this. We know this. There's Joseph Scambria. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Uh, he seems he seems sincere. He has a very he sincere, a he very radical story. Yeah. He, 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 he came into the church. He told his story, and now he's trying to live a quiet Catholic life. I mean, he's not so Catholic. I mean, or he's not so quiet. I don't know how Catholic he is. I'm not making a judgment on that. But um, I do know that he's on Twitter. He's on Facebook. He says some things. Um, he, you know, whenever whenever anybody wants to have him on, be it Skojek or Marshall or Gordon or anyone, he'll come on. I'm sure if I invited him, he would come on. I have no interest in doing that. Nothing against him. It's just not something I want to talk about or it's not part of my mission. And I just I don't want to give more. I, I, I really just don't want to give more light to a stupid to a stupid topic. And I'm not saying that his life is stupid, and I'm not saying that anything he went through is stupid. I just don't want to glorify this any further than it already is, because you're right. It's already mainstream. It's no big deal. Like, it, it, You quoted the statistics at the beginning of this podcast for the two people that are listening from beginning to end on this monster-length podcast. <laughs> um, you said it. Uh, Generation Z. Like, a third of them are disordered. The disorder it's- is spreading. It's spreading like a disease. It's the real contagion. So it's the idea, though. Is, this is the Catholic media. This is the Catholic media phenomenon, and I've talked about this a lot. Is that they jump from one bandwagon to the next, right? Yes, and and, yes. and and it's like, oh, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon. And, and why do the people jump to the bandwagon? It's because they want they want the clicks, they want they the do. likes, they want the views. And I get it. You know, we all do this to get them. Uh, you know, you know, largely. I mean, we've had this discussion. I, I'm never going to bridge the gap and become uh you know one of these guys with with 80 100,000 uh subscribers or anything like that largely because i say uncomfortable things things that most of society does not want to hear because it breaks their comfort level um but these other guys you have something like this that's that is so uh known and so public it's like oh let me get that on because that's going to get me you know, these things, even largely my guests, right? I have people like Roosh on, right? Roosh is not Catholic. He's, he's orthodox. Great guy comes from a, uh, you know, he'll talk about his past. He was, uh, a, a player and all that stuff. And, and, you know, the, a pickup guy, pickup artist, if you want to call it that, um, who had a conversion in his life. People don't like him. Why? Because he talks about uncomfortable things. Uh, and so he doesn't have that following. I have people on like John Waters who people don't like because he, he talks about uncomfortable things. So people want people on who make them feel, make their audiences feel comfortable. And so you get a guy like Milo on and people are like, Oh, I feel comfortable. And oh, this is such an endearing story. And oh, I'm so happy. And oh, he's picked St. Joseph and blah, blah, blah. The, the funniest thing for me is trads that are jumping on this bandwagon. Look at who this guy is friends with. He is not going to start attending the Society of St. Pius. He is not going to start attending iSkip. He is going at best diocesan TLM, if that, 
uh, more than likely going to be attending probably a bogus ordo or, or something like that because he's not going to want to hear what a priest in the society chapel is going to tell him. He's not going to want to hear that. And so if you're a trad jumping on that bandwagon, you're going to be severely disappointed. And the same thing goes with most of these people who are in the limelight. I don't care how much they they pretend to like beauty or whatever else when they have a, a daughter that's married to a pornographer. Okay? That guy's what? not good. Uh, Who is that? Jordan Peterson. His daughter's married to a Romanian pornographer. Oh, boy. Okay? He also takes some very lewd pictures with his daughter. I mean, he's like a Trump character or something like that with that. But he's not going to attend a, a society chapel. And and so while it's great that they're converting, understand that they're only going to go to that 50% conversion. They're not going to take that 100% leap. And that's what a lot I of mean, Catholics uh, don't get. No, but I mean, I, I, I want to try to thread the needle here because I, I, I know what you're saying. You're not saying that we cannot have hope in somebody's authentic conversion. It's just that we have to have prudence. We have to temper our hope uh-huh. with prudence. Okay? And and we're like live sentient beings. I mean, you're closer to a boomer than I am, but we both Shut have up. been alive, Catholic, and traditional for long enough to see this rodeo a couple times. And so the fact of the matter is, like you say, when a well-known grifter – I mean, definitionally a grifter, literally somebody who makes his living off of getting you to click on his stuff. You don't make your living that way. You own a business. I don't make my living that way. I own a business. Um, I think that's what's, I think honestly, that's what sets the two mm-hmm. of us apart amongst others in this, in this, uh, media environment because I don't need RTF to live. I, I do RTF as a service and I know for sure you don't need Rights and duties to live. You do rights and duties as a service. <laughs> I, could, I could live off the $87 and 33 cents <laughs> yeah. that YouTube sends me. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think actually you would live a better life without rights and duties, to be honest, because you're putting out a podcast every single day. I don't know how you do it. I can only manage to do two or three a week. And even uh, if I do, if I do three in a week, it like throws my whole family balance out of line. I will say this: I I, I am going to be working on a a a, a Catholic warrior series uh, very soon. Um, <laughs> that's going to be very uh, detailed. I think you and I are going to work on that with uh, some other people uh, that we know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I'm always looking to do something different with Catholicism, and I think one of the one of the great things that a lot of people miss out on because of these people, you know, always trying to get the next, uh, it, it's almost as cringy as in a, in a way to, I've, I've equated it to daytime, uh, talk TV. If, if you remember married with children, right? Peg would always sit there and watch, uh, Oprah and Donahue and all these other things, right? That's what a lot of Catholic podcasts have become to me. They, they've really become, and largely I don't watch most of my, I watch you guys and I, and I watch, Anthony, because you guys are friends of mine, so I support my friends. But beyond that, if if you saw my, you know, the the channel that I watch YouTube on, not my own channel, um, I watch prepping videos, I watch uh, cooking videos, I watch um, uh, history videos, stuff like that. I never really can stay because it's all the same stuff. It's the same stuff day after day after day after day, and it's just like. 
you know what? I don't need some guy sitting in his living room in the dark to tell me why Vatican II is bad. I can read the books. <laughs> I've read the books. Heck, I read the books before he decided he was going to graduate from college. Because mm-hmm. according to you, I'm 80 years old. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, Bro, I, I mean, you just got to own it. You should steer into it. Just be like, yeah, I'm like the... I'm like the creepy old guy in the white van that's like, hey, I, I, I've been dread for a long time. I got dread stories for you. I Listen, I am 45 years old. I am 11 years out of being a boomer, okay? But um, <laughs> but no, I want to I wanna look at it from that standpoint. That's why I talk about, you know, everybody talks about, you know, how Vatican II is bad, but they don't talk about the underlying issue of how it became bad. And that's why I try to talk about these things like we spent the last hour and a half talking about, which is that all this secular nonsense affected our church. It affected our church to such a degree that we ended up with Francis as the pope, who's now taken that secular nonsense to the 10th degree and and is really converting the church into a a, a secular uh, religion. And it's and it, it, it's it's almost going to be. um to a degree unrecognizable in 10 years and it's going to look very Mormon. I mean, we have the SJs telling us we shouldn't be reflecting on the suffering of Jesus during this time of Lent. Well, if you want to know something, the Mormons have a thing where they do not show a crucifix and they never show Christ being uh, sad. It's always happy Christ, right? And um, that's what the SJs are moving towards, which is what the church as a whole is moving towards. We've got Francis telling us, you shouldn't call the, the, the Virgin Mary the co-redemptrix. We, we need to move away from that. Um, you know, we really shouldn't call her mother. Um, you know, all of these things that, that they're doing is, is, is undoing the 2000 years of, of history of the church and everybody treats it like, like gossip. And, and it really, I think in the last couple of weeks, it's really bothered me more now um, than it has. I mean, it's always bothered me to some degree, but the last couple of weeks, it's really started to like just really get on my nerves that it's like you're, you're treating this like gossip. You're avoiding all the underlying issues. You're not attacking the, the, the detractors that are out there, you know, spreading usury, spreading pornography, spreading all this stuff. You're not attacking the idea that these people are telling you that you, you should hate yourself because of who you are. You're, you're, you're not talking about all these other things. And, and you're out there, not, not you, but you know what I mean? Um, out there and it's just largely just one big massive dump hole of garbage right and i'm not saying that people can't get something i'm not saying that people can't convert because of these people and all this other nonsense that everybody has to remind me of every time i make a video um and you finally are getting that by the way so i'm so glad you're finally feeling a little bit of my pain in your comments (laughs) um i'm not saying that what i'm saying is is that it's not aiding people toward waking up and no matter how many people convert but are not woken up to the problems of our world those problems are not going to go away they're going to get worse and you have two options you can one try to wake people up and then two while you're trying to wake them up prepare them for the inevitability of what's coming which is prepping and and i can't stand how many catholics will tell you it's not in the bible to prep 
okay, Sola Scriptorum. Okay, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, last time I checked, Catholics don't live by Sola Scriptura. We don't, we're not Protestants, we're not Lutherans, okay? Uh, there are other teachings and other things out there, and there are many times when Catholics are told to be prepared for inevitabilities. Um, and, and that's what people miss, is like, they, they, they come on and they go, there's nowhere in the church does it say to prepare. Okay, no problem. When you're starving to death and you're knocking on my door, of course I'm going to feed you. But while you're eating, I'm going to make fun of you the whole time. <laughs> because you you earned that. You earned that, and that's your suffering now. Um, and that's that's really my reality is is that I I feel that you have to smack people sometimes to wake them up, and that's that's why I am the way I am. And. I think you're in decent company with that one, to be honest. I think that, uh, St. St. John Bosco, St. Nicholas. I mean, how many, how many punching saints do we have? How many warrior saints do we have? Warrior saints. So we could go with, uh, we could go with Takayama, uh, was a samurai. We have a 17 year old samurai and I'm not even going to try to mention his name right now because I cannot pronounce it, but a 17 year old Catholic, uh, samurai saint. We have St. Magnus. Who was a Norseman, uh, who was also exiled for his, his beliefs. Uh, we have many. We have the, the, the priests in the Christeros war in the more modern era, right? Obviously warriors. Many pictures of them with the bandolero around them going out to, to, to fight. And of course the church now says that, oh, those guys were bad. They shouldn't have done that. Um, we have popes and bishops that went on crusades. And I don't mean, you know, out there just to, um, to say prayers before the battle, but bishops and priests that actually rode into battle with a sword in hand. Oh yeah. Let's let's not forget that all of the Templars, all of the Teutonics, and all of the Hospitiers were clergy. They were religious. They weren't priests, all priests. Most of them were 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 monks, but they were in fact warriors. So I, I think there's a lot of things that, of course, of course, modern society makes the Templars into some dark Masonic group cabal that, you know, read a book, stop watching the History Channel. OK, that's all false. Um, and even even the Pope, you know, at the time had written letters, which we found in the ar- archives, you know, saying that they were pressured by the king. You know. And and largely they exonerated every one of them. And, and to a large degree, I think that a lot of them probably should be looked at for some form of canonization or, or at least or at least martyrdom. You know, we're sitting here a thousand years out and these people are still not martyred for their faith. And yet they, they did, in fact, die for their faith. So those are definitely things that I think people should be looking at today instead of really like. Waiting for Jimmy Martin to say something stupid. I mean, waiting for Jimmy Martin to say something stupid is like shooting ducks in a barrel. I mean, come on. No, I know. Yeah, you could you could almost have a have a daily. I mean, certainly a weekly podcast. Yeah, you could you could. It's easy, but but to to bring up these people like Takayama, most people don't even know who he is. And the only people who are out there shooting for his uh, his canonization because he's only a beatified. Uh, is a is a Filipino group, which is where he died in exile in the Philippines. And there's a Filipino group. Uh, there's a website out there and everything to you know pushing for his canonization. 
And, and I absolutely believe that. And I, I, if I wish I could figure out how to make for, a, uh, you know, a petition to have the Templars, uh, at least, at least be put in, in as mortars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Trad Patrick at, uh, rights and duties available as a podcast and on YouTube growing YouTube channel. Consider supporting, liking uh, his page, and becoming a patron. Because what many of you n- don't know is that Trad Patrick takes his patron money and does very productive things with it. Well, actually, not patron money. I don't have a Patreon. I have uh, I have oh, super just, chats. Just, I have super su- chats inside yeah, of. I have super chats enabled during live streams, and any of the money we've done, um, we've done toys for tots. Uh, we sent some money to, uh, seminary in the past. Uh, we've sent some money to our friends at the Abelettes, uh, over there. Our good friends, Brother Navarro and Father Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I do not take any of that money. As a matter of fact, uh, even the money that YouTube sends me, that $87.35 a month, uh, I, I give out in donations to, uh, some traditional organization. Matter of fact, I gave $87.35 to the cause for uh, canonization for uh, Blessed Takayama. <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for you. All right. Here's the challenge. Final question here. When you are ready to do a video interview, when you're ready to come out and dox yourself, <sighs> will you commit to making RTF your coming out? platform of choice i don't know patrick coffin and tim gordon are really like asking me to no i'm just kidding (laughs) i would i would i would go on there and like beat myself up now uh absolutely of course i would do that uh, all right all right i will uh uh, at that point i probably it it, it will probably be when my uh my full-time career has come to an end and i don't care about about that anymore and um, that may be sooner than I think, just based upon the fact that I'm just physically exhausted. Um, well, get some rest, brother, and uh, fight fight the good fight tomorrow. You got it. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. God bless. All right, how do I stop recording this blessed thing? <laughs> Go back to more and hit stop recording. <laughs>